everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelance and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us today ATP Tour tennis professional Dominic Kepfer. Dominic turned pro in 2016 and has seen a steady climb in the rankings, reaching a career-high ranking of 61 in September 2020. Many of you remember Dom's round of 16 U.S. Open match in 2019 versus eventual runner-up Daniil Medvedev in what was such a highly, tightly contested battle. Dom played his college tennis at Tulane University, where he had an incredible senior year in 2016, which we will get into our discussion today. It is my privilege to welcome to the pod, Dominic Kepfer. Dom, thanks so much for taking time and uh, walking us through your tennis journey a little bit. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. So if you don't mind, I mean, it's a crazy time right now. Australia has still not, at the time of this recording, um, Australia has still not finalized their dates. It's looking like they may push it back two weeks. Um, how have you been holding up since the end of 2020 ended for you and um, just going through this unique time? Are you putting in a lot of hours training or you're still kind of wait and see attitude for right now? Um, we had it all planned out, like, because they, we first thought we had to go to Australia December 14th and quarantine there for two weeks before you we can start playing tournaments at the beginning of January. And then um, we found out that no one's allowed to enter until January 1st, so we got pushed back two more weeks. And I got sick a little bit, so I've been training a little bit. This is the first week, actually, I've been training pretty hard on court as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going well so far. I just hope that soon we have some clarity on when we'll start because I mean it's obviously not easy timing everything right and not overtraining during these weeks and just being ready for, the, for Australia when it actually starts. Yeah are you are you training out of Florida right now? Yes I'm in Tampa Florida at the moment. Okay got it now I want to start um, at the beginning with you and then I'll go into your junior career a little bit because it's really unique but before we get there I want to start how, how you got started in the game. Did your parents play? Did your siblings play? How did, how did someone get a racket in your hand? Yeah, so I started really young. I, I think I had my first plastic racket when I was like two years old. My, both my parents played uh, just for fun. My dad was actually all right. He played first division in Germany, but obviously back in the day, the level wasn't that high there. There wasn't as many professionals playing in the first division, but he was a good player. I still lost to him until I was 14, 15 years old. Still had to battle against him. and then. Yeah, I played a lot with my mom. Um, um, started going to practice when I was six years old. Then my sister started playing a little bit. Um, she was actually, I thought, I always thought she was more talented than I was, but she was a little lazy and didn't didn't want to practice that much. Um, yeah, so my family played, and I think that's how I got into playing tennis. Got it. Now your junior story is is pretty unique in that you were not one of these you know blue chip can't miss type of recruits. And, um, you know, I talked to your college coach recently, Coach Mark Boris at Tulane, and he had never heard of you. And, and you, you didn't have many results to show. And it was only by circumstance that, that you and uh, Coach Boris, you have a mutual connection back in Germany. Without that mutual connection, I mean, there is no way you, you end up at Tulane. And who knows where you end up. So talk about your junior career and how you uh, eventually – wound up at Tulane and, and and curious if any other schools were were even interested in you yeah it's true um actually Mark Boris my head coach at Tulane um, um he didn't want to come to Germany to watch me play in the first place either because my ranking wasn't as good as you said um 
I didn't play as many tournaments as other people played. I played one junior ITF. That's it. I didn't have a ranking internationally. I only had the German rankings. I played some men's prize money tournaments back home, played some junior tournaments, but never really traveled a lot for tennis. And I played tournaments within three or four hours driving distance to my home. So tennis wasn't always the first priority. I didn't practice a lot. I practiced two or three times a week until um, I was 16 years old. And most other people, most other players I played with, they practiced every day, sometimes even twice a day. Some of them were homeschooled. Um, I took a different route. I was doing a lot of different things. I was playing golf. I was skiing. Obviously, played tennis. I always had a lot of fun playing tennis, but I never thought I was going to make it a career. And um, yeah, then I, when I was 16, I had a great run at the German Championships. That was the first time when I thought about putting a little more effort into tennis. And I started practicing a little more, three to four times a week, which is still not a lot, but definitely more than what I was used to. And then um, college was, for me, always a great option to get my education at the same time and improve in tennis and still have a shot at going like the professional route. But um, it was always a dream to play a professional tennis player, but I, it wasn't realistic when I was younger, when I was 17, 18. There was no chance I was going to turn pro and my parents would have never let me. So were you knowledgeable of, the, of, of college tennis in the U.S.? I mean, was that something that, that was on your radar saying, okay, I know it's not realistic to turn pro right now. How much knowledge, how much awareness did you have of, of college tennis in the U.S.? I knew there was a thing, that college tennis, but I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know what it was structured like. Um, to be honest, I had no idea what Tulane was like. Um, Tulane was the only school I really had an offer from. He won college. I had one D2 college um, where I knew the head coach. He was German. Um, he told me I could come there. But, um, yeah, I decided to go to Tulane. And first day at Tulane, I've never been to New Orleans before. I didn't know much about Tulane University, the school itself, the tennis program. So, yeah, it was a, it was a culture shock. And, yeah, it took me some time to adjust. But, I mean, I guess looking back, it turned out all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. We're going to get that in a sec. Had you been to the United States previously? Yes, I have. When I was younger, um, I used to go on vacation with my family, most mostly to Florida. Um, okay. Obviously, never been to New Orleans before, but I've been familiar with um, with the U.S. I've been there before with my family, so it wasn't the first time here, but still, I mean, first time by myself in the U.S., um, first time really having to speak English yeah. in a different country where no one else speaks German. And, yeah, I was just there by myself. Yeah, I'm sure definite adjustment. But like you said, you know, looking back, your career at Tulane was, was unbelievable. And it culminated in an unbelievable senior year, becoming the first Tulane national champion since 1955, claiming the ITA National Indoor Intercollegiate Championship. You're also the first in program history to reach number one in singles in the Oracle ITA National Poll. You were a two-time NCAA All-American, and you were named the 2016 ITA National Men's Senior Player of the Year. You go, to, you go to Tulane, you really don't know any of the guys. You know Coach Boris a little bit. Talk about um, the, the, the fitting in process and how you worked on just continuous improvement each and every day, which culminated to every year, which I'm going to highlight in a bit, your freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. I mean, that is the development of a tennis player to say. It's unbelievable, which I want to get into in a minute. Yeah, I didn't start off great. My first tournament, I lost all five singles and all five doubles matches. Um, I think Boris wanted to send me back home. But um, 
Yeah, it had a lot to do with just getting adjusted to new culture, new people, new language. And I think the language was a big problem in the beginning, especially in classes too. I was struggling to keep up and to even understand questions on the tests. I mean, if you don't understand the questions, you can't answer the, you can't answer the answer the questions. So, um, yeah, it, it was hard in the beginning, but it took me a few months. And then, I mean, I really enjoyed the team environment. I think that helped me a lot over the years. I'm just pushing myself and yeah, developing as a player and as a person. And I think um, college tennis has really, yeah, pushed me to another level and taught me how to be disciplined. And I think um, a big part of that is Coach Boris, who, um, who's done a good job um, putting our team together. I mean, my freshman year, obviously, we didn't have a team for a while because of the Hurricane Katrina and uh, like a few years before I got there. And then... Um, the team got better and better each and every year and we got more foreigners, more German guys. I felt more comfortable in the team environment. I was familiar with the surrounding, the new culture I was living in, the new food. Um, yeah, it, it just worked out great and I really enjoyed my time there. And the longer I was there, the more the more fun I had, the more it, I almost felt like home by the end. Awesome. And, and I mean, to, for the listeners, I mean, this, this just proves that you don't have to be uh, all world on day one, because I want to list a couple things that Dom accomplished each year in college. And you'll see, I mean, it's the definition of a development of a tennis player. Dom's freshman year, fall of 2012, he posted a five and five singles record and went four and three in doubles play. Dom's sophomore year, second team all conference, USA selection in singles. Junior year, 2015, ITA All-American, American Athletic Conference Automatic Qualifier for the NTA Singles Championships. And then senior year was, you know, that, that's when it was all world. Was ranked number one singles player in the country from January 5th through April 19th, ITA National Indoor Intercollegiate Championship. I mean, do we give your college coach all the credit or is his head already too big that we, we're going to give you most of it? I mean, he, he definitely can take some credit. I think it's a mix of coaching. It's a pretty professional environment you train in with physios, strength coaches, assistant coach, head coach. Everything is there for you. Like you don't have to take care of much. All you have to do is show up and work hard. And I think the mix of having good coaches and having a good team, like a good team in, in a great environment, I think that's, that's what made it. And then just, I mean, you got to put in the hard work and um, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I think what got me better. And I'm, I'm really happy that I really enjoyed college tennis as much as I did because um, team sports is always what I wanted to play, but obviously tennis is an individual sport and college tennis is as close as you can get to a team sports and tennis, I think. Awesome. No, I mean, it's just amazing to see your improvement um, from year to year. And then you go on the pro tour, you turn pro in 2016 and again, um, make that continuous improvement. Was going on tour right away um, a shock to you as it is to a lot of players? Or how did you feel your transition went once you graduated um, from college and went on to the pro tour? Yes, it definitely was. I didn't, I played like one or two ITS before my entire life, so my entire life during like summer break. So didn't really know what to expect either. Um, coming from college where you're in a team environment where everything is there for you, you don't have to take care of traveling. You don't have to, you literally just have to show up and compete as hard as you can and try to get wins for the team and play for other, play for your teammates and play for your university and your coaches. 
um, that wasn't there anymore when I turned pro. It was just me out there on court. I was playing for myself. Yes, I had a coach, but it's different. Like you're not playing for for your teammates. Like the teammates you're around 24/7, where you do everything with them together. You start with weights in the morning at 6 a.m. and you you go to dinner with them and you're with them all day. You go to the same classes sometimes. Um, that wasn't there anymore. And I think that's where I was struggling with in the beginning that I had a lot of free time because obviously as a tennis player, yes, you can practice four or five hours a day and like take care of your body and stretch and all that stuff. But there's still a lot of free time that you have to keep yourself busy. And I didn't have many people around me when you're on the road, you're by yourself in the hotel room. And yeah, that that's one of the biggest challenges I had, I think when I first started. Well, you did something right because just like in college, you, you were, you were getting better each and every year. And you know, a lot of people remember um, your 2019 run at the U.S. Open. And um, a lot of people remember that uh, round of 16 match against Neil Medvedev. What many people may not know is that you had to qualify for that event. So you had a bunch of matches already under your belt. How are you feeling going into that match with Daniil? And, and most people know Daniil obviously had a great run in that tournament, played an unbelievable final against Rafa, falling a little bit short. But Daniil was kind of cranky in those first early rounds, um, including in the match he played against you. How was your approach going into that match? And did you have that ultimate belief? Um, you know, I, I hope you would have that ultimate belief that you could win or else there's no point in going out there. But you, you, you stood toe-to-toe with him throughout that entire match. Yeah, I think qualifying at a tournament is always it has, it has its ups and downs, like its pros and cons. Like you obviously are very confident going into the match if you have won five or six matches before that. But there's also the downside at a best of five match, if you have to go five sets with a guy that only had two matches so far, um, or three matches, that's that's a big, big, yeah, big challenge because yeah. I mean he's definitely in a better shape at that point and. At that point, it's just like all in your head. Like you, you have to like stop thinking about it and just focus on the like just the next point because it, once you start thinking about that, it's over. Right. And I think I did a good job. I I believed I could win against him. I was upset in a break. Um, he's obviously a great competitor and he never goes away. And yeah, he 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 stuck around and then yeah, outlasted me at the end because I was I mean I was done. I didn't have much left in my tank. Right. And, mentally and physically I was struggling but yeah it's been always it's one of the career highlights so far and then it's it was definitely the breakthrough and I'll never forget what about the yeah. crowd I mean you hadn't played in that type of environment before when that big of a stadium that crowd were, were, were nerves an issue when you first um even there in the in the warm-up before first point started how did you handle all that uh, I, I was lucky that I got to play Riley Opelka on the same court two nights or like two rounds before um, night match. It was very late. So I, I was familiar with the surrounding. It was obviously a little different because Daniel um, had, had, had done some things before that match. Um, they pissed off the crowd. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely an experience. I'm coming out there and hearing him getting booed and, yeah, it was definitely different, but it was exciting. And I mean, it's definitely more fun playing in front of a lot of people. Yes, the nerves are there, but after a while you settle and you just focus on your match and you kind of forget about everything else around you. I mean, you put in all that time, all that hours, all those training. I mean, th- those are why you do it for opportunities like this. And it's so great to hear your, uh, you share that experience with us. So, twenty, you know, again, you're, you had that great run in New York. 
2020 starts. You're getting ready to roll like everybody. Um, Indian Wells, I don't know if you were on the ground yet, but what was your uh, – where were you when basically the, the, the world stopped in, in March? Um, I played Davis Cup in Germany against Belarus. And the night before everything shut down, I flew to L.A., I landed in LA and everyone said, oh, the tournament is canceled. It's like, what do you mean the tournament is canceled? And I think the tournament is canceled because of COVID-19. And so, okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. And at that point, no one knew how long it was going to be. And we thought we were going to play next week in Miami. And Miami. then that got canceled too. And, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it was hard for all of us because there was no, I mean, there was no there's no structure you didn't know what, what was no going on. were you exactly. stuck in la like what'd you do once you landed? no I, I i have a few college friends that live in san diego so i went there hung out with him still practiced because i thought my miami was going to happen and they canceled that and then i went back to tampa and then for the next yeah five six months i was in tampa um just trying okay to so stay you busy. stayed in tampa the whole time yes i did i wanted to go home to germany because they put up like some a national series for the all the professional players which they did a great job with but then i actually got covid myself so i couldn't travel i was isolated for like two and a half weeks um didn't feel too good for, for a week and a half and then after i recovered um it was time to prepare for the us open because they managed to put out their term and then yeah that was always exciting for all of us that we're yeah able to credit to again. credit to the usta for doing that so when the when the tour did return i mean you you had Great success again, uh, making the, this time the quarterfinals of your first Masters 1000 at the Italian Open, losing in three tough sets to Novak Djokovic. But again, for that tournament, you had to qualify. I know this would not be your choice, but Dom, I'm thinking if you have to qualify for these bigger events, it may not be a bad thing for you. Yeah, apparently I should should, should do that every tournament, yeah. First tournament, first, first year's Open, qualify, go fourth round. First Masters qualifying, go quarterfinals. Yeah, I guess that's what I should do from now on. Had you played? Uh, and had you played? You hadn't played Novak before, had you? I have not. No, it was the first time I played one of the big guys. Um, obviously Daniel, but I wouldn't put Daniel on the same level as Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer. So, playing for the first time a world number one, Novak Djokovic, who has won so many, so many tournaments, so many Grand Slams, and. It was obviously a special moment and I really enjoyed my time out there on court. And yeah, in the beginning I thought it was going to be a bad one, but then somehow I found a way to like get into the match and yeah, I, I made him struggle, made him smash a racket. That was, that was good to see that I'm not the only one that can lose, lose its temper on court. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, yeah, it was a great experience and I took a lot of confidence from it. Well, you almost didn't even get there because if you look, if you look during that tournament, that first round match, you had quite a battle, right? You played Alex Dimonor, and did that go seven six in the third? Yeah, he was serving for. I think he actually had a match point. Um, he had a match point. He was, wow. ser- he was serving for the serving for the match. Yeah, I had a lot of three setters that tournament. I think I played four of six matches, three sets. Even in qualities, every single match was three sets against Gilles Simon, Kukushkin, and Italian qualifier. So yeah, there was a lot of tough matches and. Yeah, I was physically pretty ready because we obviously had a lot of time over the summer to prepare for the upcoming weeks. So I was pretty fresh at that point. And, you know, the first time I really played well on clay, and I obviously grew up on clay, didn't, didn't play much during college. Um, obviously pre- preferred um, hardcore during that time. But 
I knew I liked the clay as well. And you know, the first kind of breakthrough tournament on clay, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and you'd be a perfect person to ask because you've climbed methodically up through the rankings. We always talk um, on these episodes about the razor thin margins and how a guy 300 versus a guy one, you know, ranked 100. I mean, there's hardly any difference. And again, I'm not putting Alex Demonar in any of this. He's a top world, world-class player. Um, but it's just another example of like you get to the quarters and you play Novak, but there was, again, you had match points, you think, against you in the first round. Again, I'm not putting Alex in that, you know, journeyman type of label. Alex is a world-class player. But if you can, I mean, kind of describe the, the tiniest differences between a guy ranked 500 and 300 and then 300 and – 100 i mean it the the differences are so so minuscule right yeah i think it all starts with practice to be honest and the level of intensity the level of focus the preparation the the coaching um there's there's a lot of things that go into a player's performance that you can't really see that there's so it's many. outside of just hitting forehands and backhands is what you're saying. Yes. One hundred percent. I mean, if you look at a guy that's ranked 300 and a guy that's ranked hundred, you can't tell the difference in how they right. hit their forehand or backhand. There's, there's obviously, there's a few things that they do better than others, but obviously um, a lot of it has to do with their mental strength, with their preparation, how they take care of their bodies, how they approach matches, how they, I mean, there's a lot of guys that play unbelievable in practice and then get tight in matches. And there's a lot of, I, I think it's, the majority is all in your head. Like you win matches in your head and everyone can play tennis at this level. Right. Doesn't matter if you're 100 or 60, they, they, they all play the same. It's just maybe even some daily like form. Like if you play well that day, you have a better chance. And then a lot of it is just, you know, your head is deciding whether you want to go win or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. So before we, we conclude with our discussion, um, I think when we look at 2021, I think we, we, uh, we start with the priorities of, of safety, health, and then the third one's adaptability. Again, we're, we think Australia is going to be pushed back two weeks. Talk about um, some you know, goals that you have. Again, it doesn't have to be a specific ranking or anything type of results-based, but maybe talk about things that, that you're really working on and looking to focus on in 2021. And again, unfortunately, there, there may be a few starts and stops in this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, I um, can't really predict what's going to happen in the future, but we got to prepare as well as possible. And I think what I've proven over the last two years is that I've, I can have some unbelievable weeks. I can put together a few good weeks a year but the consistency is still missing and that's what I'm working on them it starts like with the intensity in practice I have to bring the same intensity every single day in order to like bring the same intensity doing matches like 20-25 weeks a year and that's what I've been working on the last like few weeks when I started playing again Um, practices have to be at a higher level and practices have to be better and that's what me and my coach um, put a lot of focus on and obviously Physical strength is very important um, if you want to have deep runs because the later you get in the tournament, the harder your opponents are and the fitter you kind of got to be in order to like outlast them and outplay them. And therefore, I think the physical component is very important. And then, yeah, the intensity during practices and how you how you practice is probably how you're going to play your match. So that's that's one of the biggest things I want to work on and improve on. And then obviously make a push in the rankings as well um, towards 
yeah, I'm like 65 or something right now. So I hope I, yeah, I hope I can push towards like the top 35, top 40. And then, yeah, we'll see from there. Sounds great. And let's, let's hope uh, you get 20, 25 tournaments under your belt this year. Cause uh, like I said, it was going to be a, adaptability is going to be a uh, common word used in 2021, I believe. And um, I want to thank you. You get back to, to practicing and grinding and doing your thing. I'm happy that you're over the virus. That's a scary thing. And the numbers are still uh, not good, especially in this country, but um, appreciate you taking time out of your day, Dom, and, and walking us through your tennis journey, man. We, this was a lot of fun for me. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you later. Ah.